Hello and welcome. I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to America Can We Talk. Our stories today, Spotify censors makes it actually shuts down Prager University ads. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins me to talk about the crisis in Venezuela and the U.S. response and thousands at a Killeen, Texas funeral for a stranger. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and welcome to, to today's First Five. You may have seen a story that Spotify has decided that Prager U. Dennis Prager's PragerU can no longer advertise on Spotify. Now, to some of you, they may not mean anything because you don't use Spotify, but Spotify is an enormous music streaming platform, has 100 million users, 40 million subscribers. It is a massive source of new people for Prager University, other advertisers who may never pay attention to politics. But what is really troublesome about this, we've been talking this week a little bit about how the left is so unwilling to let the American people hear both sides of the story and inform their own opinions. What happened was Prager University purchased advertising time on Spotify. Spotify notified PragerU that they can no longer, they will no longer be permitted to advertise. And what's really uh, the typical obnoxiousness about it all, the, the notice from Spotify to PragerU just said, the content of the ads do not comply with our editorial policies. No explanation why. And it went on to say, basically, and don't ever ask again. The wording of the letter that PragerU received said, our policy team has made a decision to stop all existing ads and not approve new ads coming through in the future. Please let us know if you have questions or require further clarification. This continues on an effort of attack against PragerU that began with Google and the YouTube channel, which Google owns, and PragerU has filed a lawsuit against YouTube and Google about their their um, PragerU videos being taken down. I want to hit just three or four quick points about this story. Number one, this is not the government, so it's not really a First Amendment issue, but it is the left-wing mindset shutting down American political conversation. Is left-wingers thinking that they get to decide what you get to hear and what you're not allowed to hear. And these were not even the PragerU you actual videos. These are PragerU ads encouraging people who really just go to Spotify to hear music to maybe catch their attention, maybe cause them to go check out PragerU. And if you've never checked out PragerU, I encourage you to do that. The website is just Prager, P-R-A-G-E-R, the, the letter U, dot com. And there are PragerU videos of all sorts of important issues, explaining the Electoral College, explaining the history of the Civil War, explaining why free markets make life better for everyone. Dozens and probably hundreds and hundreds of issues are addressed from the conservative perspective in these PragerU videos. And really what the uh, people who run Spotify are saying is they're afraid you might figure out that conservative answers are right. So they're not even going to let them advertise on their, on Spotify. What you can do about it, because I do think this is a kind of thing, this is, Spotify did not make this decision, just woke up one day and decided to do this. This is the relentlessness of the American left forever 
pushing and pushing and pushing against the conservative message. So whoever runs Spotify, whoever runs the, the people who run Google and YouTube and Facebook, they hear from, they are part of the left-wing cabal, but they also hear from left-wing America all the time. They hear criticism and, and corporate America does too. The American left is relentless in sending the message that the American people are not entitled to hear the whole story on anything. And the way you can fight back, if you have a Spotify account, try canceling it or start posting on social media, complaining about Spotify, Spotify censoring Prager University. Be part of the effort to push back against this kind of censorship because it has no place in the American, in free amendment, in First Amendment, free speech America, it has no place. I'm Debbie George Jazz, and this is my first five. Stay tuned. And welcome back to America Can We Talk? I'm Debbie Georgiatis. As I mentioned at the start of the show, we have a special guest in studio today, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing, Debbie? It's good to be with you in your new location. I'm so glad you're here. I love this new studio. Yeah. I want to actually make a quick plug for Real News PR and the RNCN Network. I love doing the show from this new studio. So I want to, as I mentioned in my email to inviting you on, actually, I'm going to take a moment. For those of you who don't know Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, just a quick intro. 22-year career in the United States Army. He also served in the United States Congress, representing a district in Florida of the 22nd, 22nd District. Uh, he's the author of two books, but the most recent one is called Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death. Great book. We actually held an event in our home to help him sell it, and I've read it, and I urge you to read it too. Uh, he had a, a wonderful career in the military defending this country and is very active in many ways supporting veterans in this country. So. Again, hello. Thank and you. I, and I want to talk about Venezuela. Oh, yeah, that's a very hot topic. And uh, I think when you look at the socialist rhetoric that is happening here in the United States of America, we just need to remember there was uh, just 20 years ago. Venezuela was one of the most prosperous countries in Latin America. And uh, how do you take, you know, a prosperous nation to be in a nation where people are, you know, starving, uh, losing 20 pounds on average per person, uh, eating dogs and cats, killing zoo animals to survive, uh, not having running water, not having, uh, you know, electricity? It's socialism, wealth redistribution, nationalizing economic production. It certainly is. And actually, to say with all my first question, you may have noticed that the new uh, representative from one of the congressional districts in Minnesota, mm -hmm. a Democrat woman named Ilhan Omar, yes. has blamed the collapse of the economy in Venezuela. It's not due to socialism. You probably didn't know this. She's not due to socialism. It is due to American sanctions. Do you have any response to her? Yeah, blinding flash of the obvious. And, you know, when you have a person that is completely stuck on stupid, this is what you get. See, this is why you're not hearing many voices on the Democrat side talk about what is going on in Venezuela, because they don't want to admit that wherever it has tried to introduce itself, socialism does fail. And it is not about the sanctions that just happened maybe 48 hours ago. This is something that has been happening over the course of the past 20 years. And when you have a former bus driver that is now 
now the president, a, a dictator that is, you know, harnessing the, the, harnessing the wealth of that country for his own personal gain, this is what you end up having. And once again, it is those economic policies. Hugo Chavez talked about taking from one group and giving to the other. He talked about all kind of free services. He took the oil and gas industry. Venezuela has more oil reserves than Saudi Arabia. I was going to say that. Yes. And, and now, all of a sudden, look at what has happened. So, you know, Miss Miss Omar, who just happens to be on the House Foreign Relations Committee, it just shows how absolutely, you know, sad the, you know, the, the leftist mind is. And what else so important, uh, Debbie, is that she is aligning herself with Russia, with Iran, with Cuba, and with Hezbollah. Those are the, and Turkey, those are the, you know, dictators that are supporting Maduro. They sure are. And I was going to go to that point next. It is Maduro is not agreeing that he's no longer in charge. I mean, America's mm -hmm. decided they're going to recognize the new, and I think it's Gallardo. Gallardo, yeah, he's the interim. Yep, and he's the one that America's saying, we recognize him. He's mm -hmm. from the National Assembly. Mm -hmm. And Maduro's saying, no, no, I'm not out yet. But this is happening. I, I am going to turn to Venezuela in a moment, but happening an interesting time for Democrats in this country because you have the most, at least newsworthy, member of the U.S. Congress is mm -hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yes who is selling socialism and and proudly calling herself a Democrat socialist. This just seems like you, you couldn't have devised a better uh, you know connection in time. She's out there talking about socialism, and Venezuelans, as you say, are starving to and, death. And how interesting it is, how much she loves to be on social media, you know, Twitter and what have you. She's been completely silent on the whole thing, as if she wants to ignore the fact that you have a socialist dictator that is killing his own people imprisoning and torturing them. But yet for her, that is obviously just fine. Because when you look at socialist economic policies, in the end, they can only advance themselves through intimidation, coercion, and eventually violence. Absolutely true. And I do think it's a, a really a great time. I wish there were more Republicans, elected Republicans in Washington, just screaming this from high heaven saying look this is what today's american democrat party stands for this is where we're headed mm -hmm. we're the ones who believe we republicans we believe in free markets we believe in capitalism we want to restore we believe in what venezuela was <laughs> yes yeah. what venezuela yeah. was yeah. i want to dig into in venezuela too there were interesting things i have a couple of clips i want to play um one is there was a uh I, I don't sure the name. I think the meeting was actually about Venezuela, an emergency meeting about Venezuela mm -hmm. in the UN. And Mike Pompeo went to make a statement there, and he actually called on the world. We're going to play his short clip. Mm -hmm. Called on the world to take sides. So if you can, do you have that clip ready? Yeah. List to safeguard international peace and security. The former Maduro regime has oppressed its people for years forcing millions of Venezuelans to flee the country merely to gain very basic access to food and water. This has overwhelmed the capacity of regional countries to adequately address urgent humanitarian needs. The time is now to support the Venezuelan people, to recognize the new democratic government led by interim president Guaido and end this nightmare. No excuses. The United States stands with the Venezuelan people so far, many other nations have chosen to do the same, and they too have recognized the legitimate governor of Intamin President Guaido. The United States stands proudly with you as we stand together in support of Venezuela. You knew the Venezuelan people did not have a moment to spare. 
And now it's time, now it's time for every other nation to pick a side. No more delays, no more games. Either you stand with the forces of freedom or you're in league with Maduro and his mayhem. Okay, I want to ask you, this was interesting. This is a United States Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, mm -hmm. speaking of the UN, basically saying to the world, pick a side. It's either what we, America, is choosing, the, the new interim president, um, Gallardo, or uh, stick with Maduro, the socialist. Do you think that is a, is it premature to do that, or was that the right call to just to put the world on notice now? No, I don't think it's premature to do that. And when you look at the history of the United Nations, it seems that they always side with the dictators. With the bad uh, guys. With the bad guys. I mean, 99.9% .9 the UN is voting against Israel and, and the United States of America. Although I will say it's kind of interesting that we don't have an ambassador. The United Nations. Uh, we we lost a very powerful voice in Nikki Haley, and from what I understand, uh, Heather Nauert, her her confirmation hearing hadn't even been uh, scheduled. So we need to make sure we have that strong voice there in the United Nations. But again, I think that much the same as Travis did at the Alamo when he drew that line in the sand. I think that this is a great time for President Trump to, you know, look at the Democrat Party and draw another line in the sand and say either you stand with us and the people that believe in freedom and liberty of the individuals or you're standing with socialist dictators. And that would be an incredible way to put them back on their heels to say that all of this rhetoric that you're talking about, like you just mentioned, you're putting us on the path of this. So who are you going to take a side with? And the three million, you know, expats that have fled Venezuela, gone to Colombia, a lot of them in South Florida. There's an entire community in Western Florida that is made up of Venezuelans. They know and they see what is happening. And this is a great opportunity for us to teach the American people the failures of socialism in real time. And force the Democrats to either agree, of course, President Trump is right, of course the people of Venezuela are right, or by their yeah. silence, they're, they're telling you it's okay. Where, where's the joint resolution uh, th that starts in the House of Representatives? Why hadn't Speaker Pelosi brought out a resolution to say that? Well, because... No, but I'm serious. Mm -hmm. But this is what Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, should be saying. Yes. And, and you know, the Senate Majority Leader, uh, Mitch McConnell, should be bringing up a resolution in the Senate and saying, we're standing by, we're waiting for our colleagues in the House to approve this resolution to say that we are standing with this interim president, Gaeto, uh, to lead Venezuela out of this incredible, horrific situation here in the 21st century. You know, you mentioned uh, socialism causing the problem in Venezuela. I remember when the stories were first starting to come out, and I think this was right when my show started, like four and a half, almost five years ago, where there's a story about a shortage of the glue that they make, they use to make coffins, mm -hmm. and they were having to import glue. I was thinking, what kind of modern country cannot manufacture glue? There's a shortage and, of everything. Yes. Medical supplies, everything. Everything and even basic medicines that yes. so really simple to uh, cure or heal childhood diseases become mm -hmm. lethal. I mm -hmm. mean, it is a horrific human tragedy. Nah, nah, it's a manufactured crisis. Oh, that's right. I'm so glad you reminded me. It is me. a manufacturer. You know, you're just making all of this up. It is not really happening. You know, like uh, Representative Omar from Minnesota said, you, you know, it's America's fault, you know, for bringing in these sanctions. We're the ones that has caused this, you know, 20-year collapse that has finally come to fruition. You know what I do like about this story, too, a lot? I think that there's a, a really... Um, it's a great opportunity for America to step back. We had, when President Trump came to office, he talked a little bit about, you know, what justifies American intervention in other countries? When is it okay? When are we, we, when are we doing too much to other countries? 
not requiring other countries to defend themselves. What I love about this is he and America are taking the side of the Venezuelan people who've been in the streets protesting, trying to get Maduro out. Yeah, absolutely right. And if you think about it, going back to when the Iranian people in the Green Movement took the streets uh, against Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, what did you see Barack Obama do? Absolutely nothing. And now we continue to have a, a regime that is, you know, looking to uh, number one state sponsor of Islamic terrorism. And of course, Obama sent them billions of dollars uh, to to prop them up. But when you look at what is going on there in in Venezuela, I think that it is so important for us to realize that there's a thing that it still exists. It's called the Monroe Doctrine. And it talks about foreign intervention in our hemisphere. And when you understand that, you know, you've got Russia, you've got Iran, and Iran has their proxy, uh, the Quds Force, and also Hezbollah, that are there operating. You also have about fifteen to 20,000 uh, Cuban agents that are operating in Venezuela. Um, this is a very important time to say that this is not what we want to have in our hemisphere. And, and I think that the Organization of American States have spoken out about this and their concerns as well, because this can be an incredibly destabilizing effect in, in Latin America. And oh, by the way, there's a tri-state region down there between Brazil, Argentina, and Paraguay, which has a foothold of Hezbollah operatives and you know Iran, and they are expanding. So this is a very critical point when you look into the future about how we shape the development of South America. And I think that there are a lot of countries, such as Brazil, new president there, uh, Colombia, that are very concerned. Colombia is taking in millions of refugees, and they don't want to see their country destabilized. Oh, they've started to, to, I think they're not taking more refugees at this point, right? Mm -hmm. They're saying that enough is enough. Um, I do want to touch on the presence of Russia down there. I was reading mm -hmm. today this article talking about how Putin and the Russians are interested in Venezuela in part because of what you mentioned a moment ago. Venezuela has so has such a Peru. large yep. oil reserves, and the last thing that Putin wants is those oil reserves developed and fighting against them, and, and again flooding the, the world with more oil reserves, which then again makes it harder and harder for him yes. to make his oil reserves uh, financially meaningful. To and Russia. that is another great point about the economic uh, leverage of the power of that oil and, and gas industry. Uh, we don't want Vladimir Putin to be able to have those oil reserves shipped to him, so that then he can continue to hold people hostage as well as the um, uh, OPEC, the oil petroleum exporting countries. We want to keep that in our hemisphere and yeah. we we want to make sure that we shut russia out Th this is a very this has many different levels of effect as far as the, the diplomatic aspect the economic aspect and you know when it comes to military intervention i think that there are, there's two different spectrums that we got to find an in between one was the bay of pigs model where, you know, you remember during the Kennedy time, well. yeah, didn't go well. And then the other one was the Manuel Noriega model, where we went in and uh, Operation Just Cause, I think it was 1989, we extracted him out of Panama. I don't think any one of those two extremes are where we want to go. I think that the most important thing is use our special operations forces to work with indigenous forces, mainly the Venezuelan Army. Get in there, those mid-level officers and senior non-commissioned officers and those soldiers, because the guys at the top, the generals, I mean, they're, they're sucking off the teat of Maduro, and, and they're going to be loyal to him. But if we can flip those folks, much the same as we saw the National Guard uh, members try to uh, you know, get weapons and, and fire up the people, and then we train those expats that are over there in uh, in Colombia and get them to come back in and fight against uh, you know uh, Maduro 
and them, they are the ones that are fighting for their country, not the United States of America. We can be an enabler for that. I love that, and I think you more or less answered, but I still want to play this clip. John Bolton <laughs> was at the White House. I just love this little clip he had. Yeah. He was speaking at the White House, John Bolton, our national security advisor, and he ended up saying all options are on the table, kind of seemingly implying that maybe military action, if we have that clip, I think it was clip one, if you have that. We also today call on the Venezuelan military and security forces to accept the peaceful, democratic, and constitutional transfer of power. I call on all responsible nations to recognize interim President Guaido immediately. Maduro has made clear he will not recognize Guaido or call for new elections. Now is the time to stand for democracy and prosperity in Venezuela. Is there any circumstance under which American forces would get involved? Look, the president has made it very clear on this, uh, uh, on this matter that all options are on the table. The reason I wanted to actually show that and play that, because some of the reporters in the room were pointing out, you see John Bolton was holding a yellow pad in his hand, and they could read the words on mm -hmm. it that said, 5,000 troops to Colombia, with a question mark, sounding like, I don't know if Bolton meant to, to have that exposed, or he was just taking notes. But the question really is, what you're describing, America's potential military role mm -hmm. to help stabilize a new Venezuela. I mean, what, what, isn't there a lot of potential for, for harm, for damage, for pitfalls of us getting too far in and stuck? No, I don't think so. I, I think that what we, we have a government structure there with Gaeto that we can support and enable. We have a population that wants Maduro and those cronies to be gone. So when I look at the model that we could use, it's the same model that we used early on in Afghanistan, working with the Northern Alliance to get the Taliban out of uh, Afghanistan. It's the exact same model that the uh, United States Special Operations Forces are used to, foreign internal uh, uh, support, uh, FID mission. It is also the same model that we use with the Kurds to uh, take down ISIS and their territorial integrity. So, you know, it's very powerful to get in those uh, those trained forces. And, and again, you have people in the United States military, uh, our Special Operations Forces, that are regionally aligned so they are, there are teams that have probably been working with uh, the, the Venezuelan forces, you know, the opposition forces, and they can do the right things. I mean, we can get in weapons and support for them to be able to go in and do the fighting. I'm not looking at the United States going down there and taking over Venezuela. They have a government that's ready to do so. They just have a dictator that needs to be gone. You know, it's an interesting analogy. I just saw this very moment, but I remember when uh, Russia, the or the communist government, was finally overthrown the Soviet Union, and there were stories, really, for decades, about how people in Russia didn't know how to function in a free market economy, mm -hmm. didn't know how to think about personal responsibility, and they just kind of they they had been trained, and many of them for their entire lives through their education, everything they ever knew or saw. They were just herded. Yes. And it's the exact same thing we saw when I went into Iraq. Uh, I mean, you're there and you're asking people, well, you know, how how did this work? How did it? I don't know. It just showed up. I mean, well, yeah. what about your clinics? Well, you know, a truck showed up and brought the supplies. And so that is what, again, you hate about socialism because it erodes that individual drive and determination and they just become collective uh, sheep to be herded. So, again, in Venezuela, you have people that remember yes, what it was good. like to be free. They understand the free market economic system, and they can restore that very quickly. And you have the leader of a national assembly that's ready to go in and, and get to work. It is really, it is a situation. My other 
point I've been thinking about was just, I'm very glad, I mean, I, I want to hear your thoughts first, but I'm very glad that Trump is being proactive. I'm very glad that Clay saying we're going to recognize this person who's sure. stood up, who wants to be the leader. In fact, Gaeta was uh, detained by Maduro's forces, when it was, only six weeks ago or yeah, so. Yeah, not too long ago. Questioned and, and, mm -hmm. and kind of threatened, but they really, they didn't dare do anything. They finally let him go after a day or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it wasn't a full day. And um, But this is a guy who wants to lead the country and a people who still remember, at least they have, their, their grandparents have the memory of mm -hmm. the idea of living in freedom yep. and get to those people now. That's why I love it, mm -hmm. is get in there now. Well, it's, it's much the same as when, you know, President Reagan went to the Brandenburg Gate and he gave that challenge to Gorbachev. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And actually that line had been taken out of Reagan's speech by a speechwriter, he put it back in there. And how powerful was that for the people that were on the other side of that wall to know there was someone that gave care and concern. So the next thing you know, like Waleska and, and all of these other people were able to rise up and take down the, those communist regimes. And there are messages you hear out of Venezuela. The people in Venezuela, they, the people who want Maduro gone, they know what Trump is doing. They yeah. love that America is standing up for them. Yeah. This, is, this is a welcome intervention. You know, this doesn't end well for Maduro. Uh, perhaps he should read what happened to Nicolas Ceausescu yeah. in Romania. And, uh, get out ahead of time. Get out ahead of time. Because, uh, you know, we're already looking at sealing off uh, his, his uh, gold reserves. From the Bank of England, so he would be very smart. You know, go to Cuba, or, or well, you got a lot of friends there. You yeah. got a lot of friends there. Go go to Russia, maybe, but but get out of Venezuela. Well, I want to turn. We could. I love these topics, and I knew I would enjoy all your remarks. I do want to make sure our listeners know about your website. I'm always praising. I really do like it. Theoldschoolpatriot.com. Yes, ma'am. Great website, great new book, great second book you have out, and I know you're out still selling your mm -hmm. second book. But I want to, you posted something on Old School Patriot I wanted to ask you about. It was a, one of the more recent postings, and it related to, it's a very tender topic, but it related to suicides within the military and just, yeah. uh, you know, personal friends, people you knew, worked yes. with. And so my question about that really is obviously the, the numbers are horrible and, mm -hmm. and just unjustifiably painful for it to have that number of veterans committing suicide. But what can the government or the VA or the people do better? What, what, what's the fix? Well, I think a lot of ways the VA is part of the problem because when they just give a veteran uh, a bag of, uh, of, of drugs and say, go, go medicate yourself. Uh, and I talked about how back in December, I got a story about a Marine fighter pilot, uh, a, a retired colonel who dressed himself in his uh, full dress uniform and went to the VA hospital in Tampa, sat on the file of you know documents and papers he had been you know trying to get their help, and he killed himself there on the steps of the VA. We shouldn't have those stories. And what, what, happens, what has happened now is that the United States Marine Corps had its highest amount of suicides ever in this past calendar year. But it also include active duty Marines and also uh, reserve Marines. So this is not just something that is affecting people that are veterans out of the military. We're looking at something that is affecting our young men and women that are in the military right now. And so I had a great time with uh, Mighty Oaks Foundation, uh, head of that, Chad Robichaud, who former mixed martial arts uh, champion and a Marine Force Reconnaissance Staff Sergeant and the 16th Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. And they understand this problem. And what the Mighty Oaks Foundation is looking at the spiritual aspect uh, for not just that, that warrior, but also for the family. And as I wrote in that post, it's very personal to me because when I was a young captain, my second in command of our artillery unit, uh, 
in March of 1990, he uh, shot his wife and shot himself because of a family issue that was going on. And while I was going through ROTC at the University of Tennessee, my uh, cousin that I looked up to, uh, he was an airborne ranger, infantryman, just a, a stud, as we say, uh, Arthur uh, Thomas, uh, he took his life down at Fort uh, Stewart, Georgia. So this is near and dear to my heart, and I think that the American people need to understand this because we've got to reach out and help. And I don't think it's something that the government can do. I think it is something that communities need to do, and I think there's something that faith-based organizations need to step into. Love that. Alan West, thank you for a wonderful, wonderful interview and time to see you. Yeah. Again, I want to encourage our listeners to go to your website, theoldschoolpatriot.com. Thanks. Uh, always good articles and, and always uh, his thinking on a variety of topics. Just And um, so urge you to go there. And also, I love your comments about the the suicide rate in the military. And just, you know, I, I, I think there's your tiny things to do, but, you know, reaching out to people you know who are military, especially mm-hmm. people who are alone. My last segment today, I'm going to talk a little bit about a funeral that happened in Colleen, mm-hmm. Texas, just a few days ago, um, mm-hmm. yesterday maybe, and yep. or, and uh, just just the idea that of reaching out to military people who you know all of us sit at home and cheer on the military and we're so glad when we do well and we're we're bringing American um, you know the strength of America to bear against the bad guys in the world. Well, that you know we're cheering from our couches at home and 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 we're grateful and we go to military parades. But mm-hmm. some people are actually they're the ones over there doing all the fighting. And there's some hidden scars that you can't see. Oh, yeah. There just have to be. I mean, there have to be. So um, anyway, I I love that you brought that up. Very tender story, but very important for people. And to to honor and treasure our military, we just can hardly ever be grateful enough. So Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, thank you for coming in. Thank you, and congratulations on your new setup. I I like to be able to look out and see things now. It's pretty cool. (laughs) I do, too. I love this (laughs) I don't feel so claustrophobic. (laughs) Love the studio too, and uh, and stay tuned. I'll be right back. Debbie George Ass, and welcome back to America Can We Talk? One last little segment. We had a great story out of Texas this past week, Colleen, Texas. I have a clip coming up in just a moment of this, but basically there was a Vietnam veteran who passed away. He had served in the um, Air Force, and at the time he passed on, there were no relatives that anyone was able to locate. So the uh, cemetery, I have the name of it, the... Oh, okay, I don't have the name of it. But a cemetery in Texas, a military cemetery, essentially asked for people, just anyone, if you are like to come and honor uh, in the give a military burial to a, uh, a Vietnam veteran who has no family, they put out a call for it. The unbelievable thing was in Killeen, Texas, it was, okay, the guy's name was Joseph Walker was the name of the gentleman, and the cemetery is the Central Texas State Veteran Cemetery. They had over 1,000 people show up. Just check out this video. Sun rose over Colleen, Texas this morning. Thousands of mourners streamed in for the funeral of a man they had never met. We don't have his rank. We don't know if he was married, but it doesn't matter because once upon a time, like a lot of us other vets, he signed a blank check uh, for our nation. So that was my feel good story. Sorry, caught me taking a sip of my drink. That's my feel good story for the week. Love that story. Love it. It, you know, it makes you feel good about America, at least about Texas, but about America. 
Great, great story. There was another picture, I don't know if we have it, but I mean, cars lined up like you were getting into the uh, mall at Christmas time or something. Cars lined up for a mile. So lo love that story, love honoring our veterans. Love that Texas did this for this uh, man who passed away without family, Joseph Walker. And that is our show for today. I want to thank Matt, my happy producer, who more or less keeps me in line. Sometimes he tries to make me stop talking when I'm not done, but he is really great. I want to thank him. Thank Real News PR and the RNCN Network. Um, I also want to encourage you, if, uh, if you enjoy this show, to please like this Facebook page. You can review the Facebook page on the left-hand column of the homepage. Go to the, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Debbie Can We Talk. Come back every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, where I'm always talking truth about America because America matters. Talk to you the next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you You're listening to RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio.